Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. Welcome in to the Fly the W podcast. This is season one, episode seven. We're calling this one Rebuild with a capital R, emphatically a capital R. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer for the Mully and Haw Show. Earlier today, some big news at 670 The Score and for myself and the Mully and Haw Show. Mully and Haw will now be 530 to 10 on 670 The Score, followed by Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes. They will now be 10 to 2, leading into Parkins and Spiegel. And then yours truly will be hosting from 5 a.m. to 5.30 a.m., as the host of the Mully and Haw pregame show. Of course, 670 The Score is also your radio home of Chicago Cubs baseball. And as always, and happily to be joined by my buddy Crowley. Crowley? How are you doing? Uh, you can follow me at Crowley's Cubs. You can also follow us on Twitter at FlyTheW670 and our new email account, FlyTheW670 at gmail.com and the new Instagram Fly the W670. I am excited, Dustin, because now I can call very early and just talk to you. And we can we can do segments, man. Listen to that. Absolutely. If you're up at uh if you're up at 5 a.m., which uh we hope you are, give us a call into the studio. You can text the studio and uh I'm be happy to talk with you for that 30 minutes before Mully and Haw get going. As we said, this is episode seven, and we are calling this one rebuild. With a capital R, the Padres in town for a four-game series, and it has not gone well so far. Game one, Cubs fall four to one, and that was the U Darvish game back at Wrigley Field, and that was actually so. In the last episode, we talked about it, Crowley. You were half right and half wrong, and I guess I was half right and half wrong. So Darvish had been back to Wrigley Field, but that was actually the first time he's pitched at Wrigley Field and you actually were in the house and that was the night we had that crazy weather right yeah that was like Armageddon it looked like the upside down Wrigley has their uh, promotional days wrong because Sunday is the upside down day but it felt that way on Monday because there was tornado sirens blaring 
and uh, they got all of us evacuated down to the lower half of the bowl. It, it, the, the clouds were just crazy. It was insane. Now, did I miss you in your head? Did you get a hat? That's the big question. Did you get a, did you get the Cubs cowboy hat? I did get the cowboy hat. So I figured if I was going to die, I was going to die with my boots on literally and figuratively. So it was all good. <laughs> my 15 year old daughter was actually at that game as well with a group of friends for a birthday. And um, because they're underage, they would not give them the giveaway because it was the Cubs and Bud Light, I believe was on the band of the cowboy hat is a Bud Light. Am I right about I that? It was Jack Daniels, but I made okay. it off. Okay. But it, well, alcohol. It was, it was yeah. alcohol. So they, they, Somehow she got somebody sold her the hat for three bucks. I don't know what you can get at Wrigley Field for three bucks, but it's not much. So either they really didn't want that hat or they were desperate for three dollars. And if you're already inside Wrigley Field, I doubt that you are desperate. But then so she's texting my wife because of the weather. And of course, my wife's concerned. And we knew the mom that was part of the birthday party and all that. So we, we felt comfortable. And um then all of a sudden she calls me and my wife's like, oh, really nice. She's texting me, but she calls you. And before she left, I had said to her, I said, Delaney, if anything crazy happens and you need something, call me because I do know a couple of people that will be at the game. So she calls. Yeah. Hey, dad. Yeah. Uh, do you know anybody that might have access to a suite right now that we could go into during the storm? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, maybe I do. But guess what? I am not reaching out because this is not an emergency but the cubs right now crowley they feel like they are in the state of emergency so let's go back into that first game let's talk about what you saw out of darvish and what you saw from the cubs that night well darvish is exactly what i talked about in the last episode he's just a really solid pitcher that keeps you guessing because of his variety of pitches he went eight innings he threw over a hundred and i forget over 108 pitches but he was he was out there but he only gave up five hits one run uh, a solo home run to jan gomes and uh had seven k's at least on a positive note justin Steele followed up that good cardinal start with another good start versus the uh Padres we're going to be talking about all the games in the series but this is the one game so far not including today that the Cubs did not get blown out and they lost four to one but it wasn't Seal's fault he gave up seven innings he went seven innings pitched gave up six hits one run with three K's and that one run that scored against him it just was just you know top of the third two outs uh, jerks and Profar hit a bloop double didn't hit it with any kind of authority just hit it where they weren't he gets to double and Jerry Croningworth who wasn't hitting that much before this series singles to left tie it at one. And Cronenworth has just been absolutely destroying the Cubs. This uh, homestand. I was thrilled with what I saw out of steel. That was a really good effort by him. He had an issue on his hand. He got hit in the hand. He had a blister on his hand. He really toughed it out. I really, really, really liked what I saw out of that young man, probably if not the best, the best thing I've seen so far from the Cubs in the first three and a couple of innings of a game so far. So that was, that was game one. Now um, in, in game one though, keep in mind, you're going to see a trend start here and that's that steel went seven innings, which was good, but the bullpen and more specifically Rowan wick gave up three runs you know, so at that point, that's that's the scoring right there. The eighth inning, he takes the loss, but the bullpen is just absolutely going to be hit like a pinata in this series. Yeah, absolutely right. Also in this game, now, Jan Gomes, if I remember right, Jan Gomes caught game one, correct? 
And then in I game mean, two, or was it vice versa? Him and Contreras have been switching off, catching and DHing. Yeah, they've been switching off. And so in that game, I believe uh, Gomes was catching, I believe. Okay. So that's something else that I want to get into as we go through this. All right. Game two was also something I was really looking forward to, despite the fact that they lost game one, because Kyle Hendricks finally got back on the hill. First start since June the 1st, and it went pretty well, right, Crowley? Decent start. No complaints. He went five innings pitch with four hits. Uh, He gave up... uh... One run, six Ks. I mean, he looked good, um, just like Steele did the night before. But once again, the bullpen just couldn't hold it down, especially uh, Wilson Contreras just came out in the first inning. He hits a home run. And then in the third inning, he hits a two-run blast with Morell on for the ride. So the Cubs are up to three nothing lead, eventually gets up to 4 nothing, a half single. And you're sitting there thinking like, all right, the Cubs are you know going to end this losing streak and uh, no worries. But uh, it wasn't to happen. Yeah, it wasn't going to happen. The Cubs eventually would get up five to nothing. Then they would take they would take Kyle Hendricks out. And we had Tommy Hadovy on today on the Mully and Haw show and just said the reason that they did what they did is this was his first game back, as I had mentioned, since June 1st. They wanted to win that game, but they couldn't just let Kyle Hendricks throw an infinite amount of pitches. So they were right about where they wanted to be with him. He had a runner on second. He came out of the game, and then the wheels just absolutely positively fell off of that bullpen. It was almost like you couldn't make it up. It was so bad. A 5-0 lead turns into a 12-5 loss for the Cubs in Game 2. That was, you know, and and I don't know what their why they chose to pull to let Hendricks start the inning and then pull him if he was fatigued or running out of gas, and then uh, why not give the reliever a, a clean inning? I guess would have been my question. So they they called in Chris Martin uh, to to come in after they pulled Hendricks, and I just don't understand why they didn't give him a clean inning. I don't know if that was going to change anything or not. But uh, it was definitely frustrating. You know, the bullpen gave up four runs in the sixth, six in the seventh inning, and then one in the eighth, one in the ninth. I mean, that was just absolutely awful. And, and that was 11 runs given up by the bullpen plus the three the night before. So that's 14 runs in two games given up by the bullpen. Yeah, Michael Givens was no good. It was just, it was just bad, just bad all around. I, I actually fell asleep watching that game. And as I fell asleep, I thought that they would actually hang on. Maybe they would win the game five to four or something. And then waking up to see 12 to five, I was like, oh, my goodness gracious, because that was one that they could have hold on to win. And like you had mentioned, break that losing streak, fly the W, which is what we're all about. But unfortunately, that did not happen. But the good news was Hendricks came out of it looking pretty good. Um, worked up a nice sweat. I mean, I think if you just moved an inch outside on Tuesday night, you would have been sweating. So now we get into game three. And the great news after game two, it started circulating that there was a good chance that Caleb Killian would get called up for his second big league start. Indeed, he did. And Crowley, it didn't exactly go as well as it did when he made his debut on a couple Saturdays back out at Yankee Stadium on national television. It was a bizarre game, you know, when I when, when that lineup came out and David Ross had three catchers in the lineup with P.J. Higgins and Jan Gomes and Wilson. I'm like, okay, what are we doing here? This is just some, now he's just picking names out of a hat. Uh, Killian didn't have command even from the beginning. He was throwing a lot of pitches. He couldn't get the ball down. He was just 
too high, too high, too high. And, and, and one thing that you've seen with especially the first inning and for a lot of these starts is that the Cubs pitchers are throwing a lot of pitches and they're gassed by the fourth, fifth inning. And you kind of saw that with Caleb Killian, it was um, hard to see, but uh, you know, when he's knocked out of the game, the Padres have a five, four lead. It's not insurmountable, right? No, not at all. Not at all. Not that, that is something they could have definitely come back from Crowley. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And then all of a sudden, the bullpen comes in, and here we go again. They score, The Padres score six in the fifth. Ten batters came to the plate. The team hit for the cycle off Daniel Norris and Rowan Wick. And I'm still trying to figure out how Clint Frazier gets DFA'd, but Daniel Norris still has a roster spot. I mean, that guy is just absolutely brutal. Oh, he is hot garbage, and that is a great question. Why Why in the world Frazier's gone and that guy is still here? Not only that, we get to see Frank Schwindel on the mound again. We've Ooh. talked about this, and it's it's not funny. It's not cute. This is just stupid. He gave it three runs in the ninth, 14 runs given up by the Cubs bullpen that day. So that puts our grand total at this point of to 29 runs so far in three games given up by the bullpen. Just just a bad, bad bullpen right now. All right, so that's nine losses in a row, Crowley. We do a podcast called Fly the W. As we are recording this podcast, the Cubs are playing game four of the series against the Padres, and so far it's not going the Cubs' way. During the nine-game losing streak, check this stuff out. They have been outscored 84 to 26. That's not good. And in the last 162 games, Crowley, 59 and 103. So as play started today, game four against the Padres and the Cubs last 162, they are 59 and 103. That's awful. It, it really truly is. And, and when I was on Twitter last night, I said, when is somebody going to come out and say something? Not David Ross with his manager gobbledygook. I want to hear from, uh, I want to hear from Jed. I want to hear from Carter Hawkins, which I would say 90% of Cub fans, 95, don't even know what the guy looks like. They, they have so little interaction with them. Tom Ricketts. I wanted somebody to come out and say something because this is just bad. And then I looked at the lineup today for game four. You had Swarmer versus uh, Musgrove. And so far it's a 3-2 game, but the bullpen isn't involved yet. And Swarmer's throwing a ton of pitches. So good luck with that. But I look at the lineup and, and here's who your seven, eight, nine batters are. VR, Hayward, and Simmons. Now Simmons did get an RBI single. Congratulations. But how can you literally just go to a game that, you know, you're trying to stop a 10 games hitting streak and you got three guys with these are their batting averages for VR 215 Hayward 209 and Simmons 173 I mean that's Not like good. three easy outs and so you know I, I was glad to hear that Jed Hoyer was going to meet the media I didn't expect him to tell me anything life-shaking but at least he came out that's right he did come out and you're listening to season one episode seven of the fly the W podcast we are calling this one Rebuild with a capital R. 
So, Crowley, you did get your wish. Ahead of game four, we did find out that the president of baseball operations for the Cubs, Jed Hoyer, would sit down with the media, talk for a little over a half an hour. Um, give me a couple of things that uh, stood out to you in that, and then let's uh, let's chew it up and see what we liked and what we didn't like. All right. Uh, Jed Hoyer right here is in a situation where he comes out, and obviously the first question has to do with David Ross. Now, let's keep in mind, David Ross got an extension this last offseason, so he's really not going anywhere. Okay. And uh, Jed Hoyer says, I think all things considered, he's done a great job. He's frustrated. I'm frustrated. We sit here at night and talk things through, but all the conversations are productive. Apparently the conversations are productive, but the play on the field is not. Now, one thing that kills the Cubs here is uh, injuries. And he said, uh, Jed Hoyer said, injuries should never be excuse. Everyone deals with them. And when we take a look at that quote right there, everybody does deal with injuries. And that's why having a team with depth matters. That's why having a farm system, I think they have a lot of depth in single A, double A, but triple A, not as much. And so you knew going, going into this that you were thin. And if you got hurt, injuries were going to affect you a lot more than they would the Dodgers or the White Sox or whoever, whatever top team you're talking about. That's the thing is injuries happen. But, but with, with these injuries here, you've lost four, at least four important pieces. You haven't had any of the five starters really make all of their starts. The, the opening day bolt roster, nobody's made all of their starts. They've had a lot of injuries. But it, it has to do with the fact that you didn't do more in the offseason to offset the possibility of injuries affecting your team. That's what bothers me. Right. I agree that the roster construction isn't perfect. So that's why you go back to – David Ross and the majority of the people that texted and called into the show this morning on 670 with Mullion Hall, they would not want to fire David Ross over this because that's not his fault. He, he can't make chicken salad out of chicken. You know what um, this more falls at the feet of the GM, the president, Tom Ricketts, maybe crane Kenny a little bit in some weird way, but it's, I don't believe this is David Ross's fault, but at the same time, I don't know that you needed, and you meaning the Cubs, needed to give him the extension that they gave him at the time. Now, I'm guessing that David Ross isn't exactly breaking the bank when it comes to managers. I'm sure he's paid probably right in the middle of all the managers in Major League Baseball. It's a, it's a, it's a tough job. It's a long job. You were at the ballpark a lot. You were on the road a lot. So, uh, you know, I wish Ross the best, and he's welcome to get everything he can from Tom Ricketts and from Jed Hoyer. He, he deserves it. There's always going to be questionable moves. We're always going to second guess. But right now, this is about, you know, what is Tom Ricketts making available to Jed Hoyer and his staff? How, how much is there? Um, and where and where are they? The the R word, the rebuild. Um, how deep and how long is this going to go? Something else that I want to point out that Jed said. I talk to Tom Ricketts and Crane Kenny all the time. Everyone has questions. I have questions. Rossi has questions. You be sort of not paying attention or not doing your job if you're not asking questions about why we're struggling in certain areas. And Crowley, you pointed out depth. The, the state of the bullpen overall is not good. The health of the starting pitching 
has not been good. And maybe you're blaming the shortened spring training on that. I know that's a crutch that the team over at 35th and Shields has been uh, leaning on for their lean start so far this year. It, it, it's a f- f- disheartening situation. Those of you that are at Nisei Lounge listening to this and uh, they are celebrating Lee Elia Day, but it is a disheartening situation because I don't think it's all Ross's fault and I don't think he's absolved the blame either. This goes all the way from the top, from Tom Ricketts, down to Jed, down to Carter Hawkins, down to David Ross. There's been things like we, we've questioned here, moves that Ross has made, and I keep seeing base running mistakes and I keep seeing defensive errors that just seem like, you know, especially – you know, it's not like they have a bunch of young guys. Uh, Chris Morell, obviously younger, but I just, there's just a lot that I see wrong. And I felt that this team could have done a lot more to add depth. Uh, Johnny Cueto was out there for the taking. You know what I mean? That would have been cost you nothing just to get somebody who has experience that could eat innings. Those, those type of little things that I was looking at. Uh, we talked before Dustin, you know, when I, when I saw, um, some of the moves that were just open that you could have done that were just going to cost you money. You have money to spend, but you didn't. And that's where now you're, you're being affected by all of these uh, injuries that have occurred. It just, the problem that Cub fans are having is that when Theo did the rebuild, he, he said a couple things. And for the most part, he was very transparent about things. This is what we're going to do. This is why we're going to do it. Stick with us. Now, I don't know what Theo would have done in this situation. You know, WWTD, what would Theo do? Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's hard because you're trying to sell a fan base now on two rebuilds in less than 10 years. Okay, so that's, ve- that's very difficult for a major market team to have to swallow. So, you know, when they did this originally, the rebuild, Theo said, look, We have a bad farm system. We're going to build that up. We're going to supplement it with players. We're going to never have to do this again. Yet here we are. So I think if Jed or Tom or or Carter or whoever wants to come out, explain what the plan is. Tell us where you plan to go. I mean, it's there's no point in, in lying to fans and making them feel like this is a competitive team because we knew before... Before the season started, I thought if things went right, I thought they were about an 80 to 81 win team if everything went right. And guess what? It didn't. So now you're looking at potentially, and a lot can change. They've had a really rough schedule, and it's not going to get any easier this weekend. But uh, I just don't see how this team, I'm trying to find 75 wins, and it's difficult. Yeah, 75, difficult. 70, unfortunately, Crowley might be a difficult number of wins. And I have not been to a Cubs game yet this year. How many have you been to so far this year, Crawley? Oh, I, I'm not sure. I've been to a whole bunch, but uh, you know, I've kind of been about 500 luckily. So no, but I mean, how many have you actually gone to? How many? Yeah. Games? I'm thinking probably about 13, 14, 13. And you're a season ticket holder, correct? Full, full season ticket holder. Yes. Okay. Now with what's happening, are you a type of guy that would not use your tickets as a way to protest or do you like the experience enough that you're still willing to buy a beer, buy a hot dog, buy a popcorn? You're, you're already in for the season tickets. You're not getting that money back. Maybe you could recoup it on the secondary market, but probably not except when maybe the Red Sox come in or maybe the Cardinals, things like that going to be hard to move tickets. So how will you and how will other fans, um, protest what's going on if they feel like 
Tom Ricketts isn't doing what he should be doing for the fans, how are you going to let him know? That I mean, that's difficult to do because so much of their revenue comes from TV. As far as being a season ticket holder, I enjoy going to games. I enjoy the experience. I enjoy hanging out with people. I know a lot of people down there. And, you know, once I have one beer, I usually have three or four. So that's not going to stop. I don't know if there's really any way to protest for me. Uh, I'm sure there's there's a lot of people, and I can tell you because they created this uh, season ticket holder Facebook group. And a lot of these people, they lost a lot of season ticket holders since probably 2020, I would say 2019, 2020. A lot of these season ticket holders this year are brand new and they are taking an absolute bath. They are losing money hand over fist. I've been doing this for 22 years. So I have a really good network built up and, and I'm not going to lose any money at all. Other than, I mean, obviously going to the games I go to and what I spend, but other than that, I don't have any tickets available for sale. They're all sold. Uh, so at this point, I'm okay, but I can tell you, watch very closely to the beginning of the 2023 season because the amount of season ticket holders, that's when you go to a game and you look there and all of a sudden they're like, guess the attendance, 31,000. And you're looking around, you're like, that's not 31,000 in here, but that's not who paid to get in. Those are including the season ticket holders, which I would say would probably be about 24, 25,000 people. Okay. So at this point, I think the Cubs realize that there's a big problem because of how hard th this has been like, they've been cold calling people to try to sell them season tickets. It used to be there was a list and you'd sit on the list and be like praying that they would call your number and people would check every year to see how far up they moved. They have burned through that list that list is going to, they are going to be trying to do whatever they can. And I don't remember of a time where season ticket prices have gone down. And I'm wondering if we've reached that point. I did see today on social media that the Cubs in-game experience. So meaning the you know, getting to the game, going to the game, a couple of uh, drinks, food, parking, maybe you buy one souvenir it is the highest experience in major league baseball yet they only have the 14th highest payroll in major league baseball and if all the money that comes into the baseball operations is going back into the team something doesn't seem right now i'm not i'm still i'm not anti ricketts at all i still love tom ricketts um, very nice man i've talked to him i've taken pictures with him um, he's been very gracious but just right now, it's just a, it's a really hard, bad thing. I want to go back to something we talked about earlier in the podcast, Crowley, and that is Wilson Contreras, who the other night hit two mammoth home runs. It was game two of the, uh, of the series with the Padres. They end up losing that game. But, boy, that second home run, I have never seen him go around the bases the way he did. Do you think he's trying to send a message to the Cubs and to ownership? And do you think that if a long-term deal was announced, five years, $110 million, Wilson Contreras retires a Cub based on, on that, basically, I would think, would that be enough to get people off of Tom Ricketts' ownership management's back if they were to drop that in on us, let's say, over the next five or six days? I think people would be excited about that. I think that would kind of buy them some goodwill. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I think it definitely would buy him some goodwill because he is definitely the face of the franchise. 
Uh, I think I remember calling into Mully and Haw, and uh, you know, there were there was that question about Suzuki or Contreras. And back at the time, I said Wilson is the face of the franchise. He still is. Fans love him. He has that connection to 2016. He plays with his heart on his sleeve. Um, he does a lot of good work, especially with uh, the Special Olympics and special needs uh, children. And so he's just an absolute wonderful guy. Um, I would say that if you're Wilson's agent, there's no way you're taking an extension right now when you're this close to having this close to free agency with the numbers that you're putting up. I mean, it would have to be more than what you, you know, five years, hundred million. I don't think, I think he's going to look for more than that. Do you think, let's just talk about that really quick. Five years, a hundred million. So the, the quick math on that is 20 million a year. What kind what, what kind of a market do you think is out there for Wilson? It's a good question. It's a market though that has a lot more suitors. So that with the DH now there's a lot more that he can do. So he can DH. So instead of having Wilson only being able to go to 15 teams or, or less that need a catcher, supposedly now you're looking at that number going up a lot more. So it's hard to say, you know what I mean? I never figured that the Texas Rangers were going to spend half a billion last season. That wasn't on my radar. So it's hard to say what teams are going to want to do. But let me just put the fear in the hearts of Cub fans. What if a certain team from a boring city with a neck tattooed catcher who's probably retiring, what if they need a catcher and are willing to spend some money down in St. Louis? How do you think that would go over with Cub fans? That would be about the worst thing I've heard this week. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 7, Rebuild with a capital R on the Fly the W podcast. I'm Dustin Rhodes. I'm here with my buddy Crowley, fantastic Cubs fan, fantastic follow on social media. We have talked about the Cubs-Padres series. We have talked about the president of the Cubs, Jed Hoyer, meeting with the media and basically talking to the fans through them. And now, Crowley, we're going to turn our attention to Father's Day weekend starting on Friday. The Atlanta Braves come to town. And as the Cubs are in the midst of a 9- or 10-game losing streak, depending on the outcome of today's game as we're recording this, the Braves come to Chicago winners of 14 in a row. Crowley, when is the next time the Cubs are going to fly the W. This is a tough one. I mean, uh, you, you, you have a team that has a 14 game winning streak going up against a team that potentially has a 10 game losing streak. So something's got to give right. Eventually one of these things have got to get broken. I'd, I, I would like them to win one game. That would be my hope, but boy, the schedule makers just really didn't do the Cubs any favors this year. I mean, this Braves team, they started off slow, you know, whether it's, the, you know, Always that World Series hangover, but they've kind of clicked in recently. They were they were buried behind the Mets. It didn't look like there was they had any chance of catching them. And now they're only four games behind them. So this is going to be a really tall task. We have our probables for the series so far. Uh, game one is a uh, day game, or it's a two was it one twenty start at Wrigley Field, and you got Charlie Morton versus Keegan Thompson. And it's hard to look at these records because, you know, Keegan, as we know, have struggled the last two starts, didn't make it out of the first inning in his last start, uh, Keegan. And uh, so and Charlie Morton started out bad and he's starting to do a little bit better. So it's going to be a tough matchup for the Cubs. You got to, you know, Wilson struggles mightily against him. Jan Gomes does okay in uh, limited sample size. Jason Hayward 
finally, you know, we can see some good numbers. He's bats 310 at bats versus Charlie Morton. And uh, Nico Horner has uh, 500 batting average in four at bats. Uh, Andrelton Simmons, not too bad. So the, the hope is, is that the Cubs can kind of sneak one of these here. I don't know who, but uh, the uh, Braves don't have a lot of at bats versus uh, Keegan Thompson. So there's really no data to kind of pull from that. But I just keep thinking to myself, eventually somebody's, someone's going to blink here. You, you, I think the Cubs are taking one game for sure. All right. I hope they, I agree with you. I, of course, I hope they take one. I'll, I'll, I'll get greedy if they take one and then I'll, I'll be looking for two. It'd be a nice father's day gift for you and I, and all the other fathers out there and the fathers that are subscribing, listening and liking this podcast for them to win on Sunday. But let's, let's talk about the game. One started. Let's talk about Keegan Thompson. So a couple of bad outings in a row. Um, this will be a huge test. So he's definitely going to start against the Braves. If this does not go well against the Braves, and if they're even considering putting Caleb Killian back down. Now, Tommy Hadovy again today on the score said that right now the intention is that Killian will be part of the Cubs rotation. But eventually, Marcus Stroman's going to come back. The Miley-Smiley duo will be back and, and, and up and running, right? So you're going to have to make a move at some point. Now, Crowley, is Keegan Thompson a long-term starter or is his better role as a long setup guy who you could go to three or four times a week? As of right now, it looks like he, he fits better in the role of a long setup guy. Uh, this is what you have to do, though. This is what the rebuild with a capital R type year is, is you have to figure out what you have. So I think Keegan's going to get more starts, even when those other guys come back. We know what's going to happen at the trading deadline. I hope that whatever happens, Keegan can kind of figure it out, whether it's a mechanical issue or hopefully he's just not tired, uh, you know, maybe has some dead arm or something. But we have to figure out what's going on. We had to make corrections. The Cubs have to make corrections. Keegan has to make corrections. So that's all you can really hope for right now. But this is the type of year you have to see what you're going to have. And some of these young guys are going to take their lumps. Absolutely. And this is the type of thing, though, like if you're wondering right now, if you're listening and you're kind of on the fence about the Cubs, like, why am I paying attention? Why am I going to the games? Why am I listening to the Cubs on the score? Why am I listening to the Fly the W podcast? This is why, because of guys like Keegan Thompson, we need to figure out, we need to watch and listen and learn about Keegan Thompson together and figure out exactly what they have in this guy, because I do think he has a role in the next Cubs good team. I'm not sure I'm ready to say the Cubs next great team, but I am willing to say that Keegan Thompson is going to be a member of the next Cubs good team. What do we got in game two right now, Crowley, at least penciled in? Penciled in. We have another day game 120 start. We have Justin Steele versus Kyle Wright. Uh, the Braves have not seen much of Justin Steele. But uh, we know that Steele's now put together two back-to-back -to -back really good outings against some pretty good teams. So, um, th that is exciting. He, he had a good outing against the, uh, like we talked about earlier with the Padres in game one, he had another good outing the week before against the Cardinals. So you just want him to kind of keep rolling. Absolutely. Right. And what's good about that Crowley is like, he's facing really good teams. These aren't starts against the pirates, the reds and the, the Kansas city Royals, right? These, these are good teams that he's facing. And, and even if he's not winning, it's going to help his confidence seeing quality playoff bound teams. So it's, it's not a terrible thing. Again, like I had said about game one, 
another reason you want to be watching and listening is because of a guy like Justin Steele. He is worth your time, Cubs fans. And if you remember earlier in the season, you know, we were all hyped up about Keegan Thompson. He's looking great. Now he's not. And earlier in the season, Justin Steele to me looked mediocre. And now he's looking a lot better. So th- these are the ups and downs that come with it. And, and I'm going to be dating myself here a little bit, but I want to say it was 2006 when the Cubs, you know, same thing, a bunch of injuries to Pryor and Wood, and it just never was working out. And there was a pitcher that got a start named Carlos Marmol. And they were trying to see what this kid had. And it was decided he'd be better in the bullpen. And he had a couple of great years as a closer. So when you see these guys like Keegan or Justin, uh, these are guys, like you said, that are definitely going to be part of the next winning Cubs team. It's just trying to figure out where the puzzle pieces fit. That's what you have. You have a whole bunch of puzzle pieces on the floor and in the minor league system. A lot of these, a lot of players that you know, like uh, Schwindel and Wisdom, that are probably not going to be here when the Cubs start winning again. So trying to figure out who goes where. Is Morella seventh for real? He was struggling the last couple games. Now he's doing really well. But is he a center fielder? Is he a second baseman? Is he a utility man? What are you doing with these players and where do they fit in long term? Absolutely. All right. And then Sunday, it's Father's Day. And, uh, you know, nothing better than playing catch with your dad, watching a Cubs game with your dad. I will have the Cubs game on the radio with my dad out in my backyard while I'm either smoking something or grilling something. Um, What do we got in that one right now in pencil, Crowley? All righty, we got the professor Kyle Hendricks taking on Ian Anderson. So we got a couple of veterans going here and uh, excited about Kyle's start. The What we need from Kyle, obviously, he had a little bit of layoff, is that he's able to get deeper into games. So Saturday is supposed to be a cooler day. Um, I was hoping that maybe it'd be a little bit cooler for Kyle's start so that he wouldn't be as much of an issue. But we, we need Kyle to start taking innings. And I mentioned about this in the last podcast. What you're seeing with the bullpen right now is a result of overuse. Efros has been a great pitcher. He's got shelled this series because he's been used too much. And so you, ne- you can't just constantly keep going to these guys. You need to get some amount of length out of some of these starters. And so the hope with Kyle is that he's able to build off that last start uh, and, and, and give them some depth. Uh, against the Braves, uh, there's a couple guys that hit him pretty good. Uh, obviously, Ronald Acuna is a very good hitter, but uh, Orlando Arcia hits him pretty well, but he's not here. He has a fractured foot. So you never want anyone to be injured, but right now the Cubs can use any break they can, no pun intended. Um, so I, w- I would like to see Kyle hopefully have a good start. And then the offense, like I said, it's, it's, you've been in games except, you know, again, when another team's scoring 14 runs, if you score five, that's not going to seem really that great. But five runs normally on a given day is going to be pretty darn good. So I would love to see the Cubs against Anderson come alive. They don't have a really big sample size against him. So at this point, it's it's your best guess on what they're going to do. But but you're just looking for one of those games where the Cubs just go off, where all of a sudden they just have 15 hits and 10 runs. It would just be nice to have a game that you can sit back, enjoy, and whether you're drinking or smoking or cooking out or whatever you're doing, you don't have to worry about the game or being frustrated about it. It'd be nice just to have fun for once in the last 10 games. Absolutely. So Crowley, that's a wrap for this one. Hopefully by the time we get back with you guys early next week, the Cubs will be on the road. They're going to be in Pittsburgh taking on the Pirates early in the week. Hopefully at that point, we will not be talking about, let me take my shoes and socks off, a um, 13 
game losing streak, God forbid. So here's to a happy Father's Day to you. A happy Father's Day to all the guys listening out there. And here's to uh, raising a beer and hopefully being able to have the chance to fly the W. And if you have not had the chance, subscribe to our socials. And that way, if you're hanging out with Dad and don't want to be glued to the TV or something, you can catch up. And we are at uh, Facebook, Fly the W, and then at Twitter and Instagram at Fly the W670. And also our new email address. Let us know what you think. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to interact with you. That email is flythew670 at gmail.com.